Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. Welcome to Throwing Jabs Podcast. I am Joe Aguirre in for Jace Garcia. As always, Jared Jones and making his first on-camera appearance, uh, our great resource and researcher, my brother, Tony Aguirre. Thanks so much for being here and uh, and filling in for Jace. I really appreciate it. We'll just slide over a chair. Got a ton of great stuff to talk about. We saw some great fights last weekend. A bunch of fights have been finalized. Obviously, there's a big fight tonight. Tyson and Jones. Not only are we going to talk about that fight, but before we get there, we're going to do our weekly segment, the Who You Got. We'll be talking about Jones versus Tyson, who was better in their prime. Then we'll uh, take a look at that fight, break that down, make make some uh, predictions. Uh, there has been a big cancellation. We were looking forward to Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades. Jared, my brother spent hours so much time, in fact, on those two. He said he feels like he knows them personally. The fight got canceled. There's a new main event, and we will tell you all about it. But first, we've got to talk about Valentino Shevchenko. There were some people, Tony, who thought uh, maybe this wasn't her best performance. There were people who, uh, in their eyes, maybe her stock dropped a little bit because... She didn't absolutely destroy Jennifer Maya, who, mind you, is a pretty good fighter. And they mentioned all during the fight, she's got knockout power. I thought Valentina dominated the fight. Tony, how'd you see it? Uh, well, I saw it pretty much uh, as she's just the most dominant fighter in the sport. Uh, she said afterwards um, it was good to get some rounds in because she hasn't fought since uh, she beat Caitlin Chikigian back in February, which is another dominant win. Uh, I just feel like uh, there's really nobody left in the world that could that could take her. And again, just her thought process of it was good to get some rounds in, meaning like obviously she has respect for this woman. But at the same time, what's a, a devastating knockout going to do for her? She needs to get her time in, you know, um, I just think she's uh, she's cleared out the whole division. The only person left she hasn't fought is her sister, Antonina. Um I'd say another fight with uh, Nunez probably would be all you could ask for from her. Other than that, she's about as dominant a champion as, as you could expect. What do you think, Jared? Uh, would she fight her sister? Probably not, considering the Klitschko brothers uh, never fought each other. The Eastern Europeans seem to be uh, pretty honorable in that way. They don't usually fight uh, relatives, uh, unlike us. <clears throat> right, Joe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think, as a matter of fact, I think I had read where uh, I think they've got a promise with their their family as well that they wouldn't fight. So, yeah, I mean, although this could end up being like the the in tennis, the 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 uh, Williams sisters, mm. you get to a point where there's you you can't keep avoiding each other. You may eventually have to uh, just to establish who the best is. But yeah. I think little sisters good, but got a little bit of a ways to go. I oh, think. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh... Little ways to go. I think I, I think you hit the nail on the head there with Nunes. Um, that's probably the best fight for. You know, I'm two and zero with a knockout against my little brother Joel and uh, at Scrub Scraps, and he thinks somehow that deserves a rubber match. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but Shiv, Shiv, Joel Shiv would think is, that. Oh yeah, <laughs> love that's Joel. Definitely a Joel move. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Shevchenko, you know, when we did our draft, um, I ended up with both of the champions that were on this card, and I'm not sad about it. The, the, the more times they win, the more right I look that these could be all-time greats. I believe that about her. Yeah, I'll tell you, this this fight for me, I uh, got a little worried in that second round. I wasn't sure uh, if she was in trouble or not, but to me, Shevchenko just did a really great job of dominating. And, and even when Maya had her pinned up against the cage, she wasn't doing anything. It was that that Tim Johnson Czech Congo gameplay of like I won't let Shevchenko beat me to death, and and I it, it it doesn't it doesn't make for a fun fight and it certainly doesn't make for a win. So uh, this this I like what you said too, Tony, where she was saying wanted to get her rounds in, got it, got to get yeah. a little. Uh, yeah. uh, again, it's it's the professionalism of the of the Eastern European fighters to make a comment like that. She didn't try to make an excuse or say like, oh, you know, this happened or that. It's I tried to get some rounds in. It felt good. I haven't fought since February. So about the you know this whole pandemic, it's nice to actually be able to get some time in. It just shows you where her mind is at. You know, she's more focused on 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 being the best in her sport, no matter what the cost, even if it is going a few rounds with somebody pretty dangerous. You know, I, and I just want to point out here that uh, having, having Tony on the show to our listeners that we're five minutes in, and I think it's already obvious why Joe and I take uh, uh, shoot his takes out uh, consistently yeah. <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, well, I'll, tell you show, brother. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, the two of you guys, I just feel like with his knowledge of of who fought what and i mean great now and your experience and knowledge uh, there's not a lot of shows out there i think that can uh offer up uh what you're getting here let me ask you both this before we move on is shevchenko the best mma fighter in the world i believe she is i think so no i say no that 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 means active that that means active and inactive you just said best fighter in the world. You didn't specify. I still want to be. Oh, you're saying she's not. Oh, Khabib. I'll, I'll take Namagamedov pound for oh, pound over everybody. On the let me check myself. Is she the best female MMA fighter uh, in the world? I mean, see, I, I, Nunes is the argument, right? Nunes yeah, is I the think. argument. I'd say the fact, uh, Jared, the fact that if you watch those fights, uh, you know, it's Split decision. The fact that Nunes is naturally bigger and a dominant fighter in her own right, and the fact that when you see in the second fight, she was so hesitant to actually engage with Shevchenko shows you the level of respect that even fighting a smaller woman, she knows every time I throw two, she's going to throw two. Every time I, I try to take her down, she's going to take me down. I, I'd say they're about as even as you could get. I mean, split decisions that could go either way. I, I'd say they're probably both the best in the world. They both hold that claim. Uh, I just honestly, I, I just love Shevchenko. I think she's amazing. Uh, yeah, 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 without a doubt. Well, that says female now, but it doesn't take stay pound for pound. So we'll still take Nunes. <laughs> that says pound for pound, though. I agree with you. She's built a couple pounds bigger. And if you somehow mold the human beings to be the same size, Shevchenko's probably the, the uh, better fighter. My response you're both right. <laughs> oh, out here doing the Shevchenko. It's a good, yeah, there you go. It's a good way to play it. Uh, 
Davis and Figueredo, I was wrong about this fight. Uh, Tony and I were both very concerned, Jared, about the matchup with Alex Perez, a wrestler. Uh, we we had seen his only loss uh, to um, uh, Formica uh, was was uh, a wrestler, and he got taken down, and, and I was concerned this could be a, a tough fight for him. Uh, credit to Figueredo. Uh, because I think when you're in a situation where you're worried about maybe the styles, you just do this and you choke <laughs> them out quick. Tony, you call it a night. I, I mean, you and I were, we, we were concerned, but you and I, before the show started, this guy's the real deal. We're convinced. A absolutely. Uh, again, Figueroa's biggest mistake that he makes, his biggest flaw, is that he allows himself to be taken down, which if the fight goes the distance, as you saw with Formiga, uh, he's going to lose on points. The reason why he allows himself to be taken down is to do exactly the move that you showed there, the the guillotine uh, chokeout. Um, I I really, he blew me away. Uh, I, I When you and I looked at it and we saw that Perez had a chance, it was literally because as a, as a wrestler, you would think he, he would have seen that. But I think Figueroa saw the same thing. He knew that this is what was going to happen, was that he was going to try to take him down. He was going to try to lock that guillotine in quicker. The fact that he's fighting for his fourth time this year in December speaks volumes of him. Uh, I was wrong, I believe. Uh, he he obviously saw the same flaw that we did and, and improved on it. I think he's going to end up being another dominant champion in that division like Demetrius Johnson was. <clears throat> Yeah, and we don't have a lot of those in the UFC. I mean, if you go back and look for three, four, I wish I'd done the math at this point, you know, but when you said that, it brought it to me, like uh, three, four, five fight win streaks and take those champions out of each division. What do you have total in the history of the UFC with that have become the champion and then won four fights? Uh, when Weidman beat Silva, uh, my, my wife was really, I said, this is the guy that beat the guy. This isn't the next great champion. He just beat the last great champion that we had. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are several several weight classes and several people out there, Shevchenko and Figueredo, uh, both qualify, that are, that are dominant and capable of such win streaks that we don't see often in the UFC because it doesn't go like boxing. Not everybody's 27-0 and 0 because these guys have to fight each other. Exactly. It's more like amateur boxing where you get lined up and there's tournaments and it's you're going to fight each other. But yeah, I always have been Yusuk fought three times in the amateurs. How much would we love to see those two guys in the ring now as professionals? They just had to. They did it because they had to. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No. Like the UFC. Yeah. I always tell my brother, uh, I feel like the UFC, the way Dana White has it set up, it's very much like the way that boxing used to be up until about the 1980s, where guys had to fight each other. There was no avoiding. There were no sanctioning bodies that said, you know, this guy from, you know, El Salvador is the number one contender. Like, that doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> the fact that you could have the WBC wouldn't even rank Anthony Joshua for uh for uh Deontay Wilder how is that even possible he's the unified champion with all the other belts with UFC Dana White doesn't play that game it's one sanctioning body it's him he tells you this is who it's going to be and again it's just like it was what the way boxing was back in the 20s 30s 40s 50s 60s you you had to fight each other you couldn't go a whole career and not fight a guy and again another throwback Figueroa 
a month later, you're going to have another fight against another top contender after you just had this dominant oh display. God. Throwback fighter. That's exactly what I love about about fighting is guys like him. And uh, I really hope that he becomes the dominant champion that I think we all think he's going to be. And yeah. if you what? listen to him, it sounds real that he just wants to be the best. He's convincing. He says that with conviction. I want to be the greatest fighter in the world. And the rest of that stuff is not uh, prioritized to him. Two hours after the fight, his first title defense, mind you, he immediately took his second title defense. It's in 21 days. It'll be December 12th at UFC 256 in Las Vegas against top contender Brandon Moreno. But get this. Peter Yan has been forced to withdraw from his bantamweight defense against Aljamain Sterling, which means this is now the headlining fight for UFC 256. A 21-day turnaround is the fastest ever by a champion or challenger in UFC history. You talk about old school. I don't think it gets any more old school than that. I stand corrected on uh, Figueredo, and, uh, you know, I said, I, you know, I, I I thought he could win the fight if he made the adjustments. He did. We said if he did win, we felt like he was going on a, a long title reign. And uh, I, I'm convinced. I'd like to see who's going to beat this guy. Well, uh, and I've, I've, be I've, I've been in a crawl a few times with the predictions two or three times over the last two or three weeks. Uh, likely inside two minutes, I think, is something that, that's almost my quote there down at the. I said, that's the. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I said that. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, right on. And I'm good. glad you guys are convinced. I mean, I've had guys like that before where I see a fight and go, okay, I'm on board. You know, I, I'm a little late to the party, but, uh, you know, I'm on board. Well, again, another great thing that I like about him, and I always look for it with UFC fighters, if you look at Figueroa, his record isn't like he's got – the majority of his fights are knockouts or submissions. He's got a little mix of everything in there, which means that that guy's comfortable pretty much anywhere in that octagon. Well, he's good on it. He's good with his hands, good with his feet. He's good with his defense. He's good wrestling anywhere you want it. He'll take it kind of like a Shevchenko. There, there's not 16 knockouts. It's like six knockouts, eight submissions, eight decisions. It's a little bit of everything that makes them a very dangerous individual. Cause a one trick pony can be easily figured out. Hmm. Well, and Figueroa is certainly not a one-trick pony. So, uh, and and again, to me, the the one thing I was concerned about, he's more than cleaned up. There are some really great fights uh, coming up. We're going to preview uh, a few of them here. The uh, UFC is finalizing a lightweight matchup between former interim champion Tony Ferguson, who's twenty-six and four, Charles Oliveira, twenty-nine in. The 29-8 with one no contest. That matchup is on December 12th. Tony, I used to love Tony Ferguson. Um, he got weird the the in the last year or so, uh, and then got everybody at, got weird in the last year or so. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um he he's taken it to a new level. It, there's it's on not often. Here's what happens. Khabib, I didn't like, then I liked him. It's more likely that's going to happen. It's not I'm going to like you, and then I'm not going to like you. And that's sort of what Ferguson's done for me. He got destroyed by Justin Gaethje. Uh, Tony, Oliveira's been around a long time. Ferguson is still a, a, a young, let's say young. I mean, he's, he's certainly been around for a while. Uh, big fight here. 
Who do you got? Why? Uh, it is a big fight. And I got to say, the fact that uh, Oliveira has uh, the record for most uh, finishes, I believe he has 16. Uh, but the majority, he only has eight knockouts. The majority are all submissions. The fact that Tony Ferguson hasn't been submitted since uh, 2009 against Jamie Tony uh, makes me think that he's going to try to keep this fight standing up, uh, where obviously his strength is going to be punches. Obviously, with uh, Oliveira only having eight knockouts in, in over 34 fights, um, not a very strong puncher. I'm thinking that's probably where Ferguson wants this, and he wants to make a big statement after losing so handily to to Gaethje, I think this is his way back is by fighting a guy who's a little feather fisted, uh, who is going to be looking for the submission against the guy who hasn't been submitted in, in, you know, well over a decade. I, I think this is a really, uh, I, exactly the type of matchup that you're, that, that you've described. You've, uh, there, it's a good pick by the Ferguson camp. Because you're a fight away from being uh, words like shot being thrown around when describing Tony Ferguson. Oliveira comes in here and walks through you, your shadow. And I've never been a huge Ferguson fan. I have to admit, uh, Ultimate Fighter, all the way up. I was never wildly impressed. I was never, oh my, even when he got to the top of the game, I just was never thought, ho, 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 this guy. You know, I think uh, Oliveira shown me more highlights, and he's not, and he's not the hardest, uh, hardest uh, striker out there. So, Ferguson, if he's shot, he could lose this fight. I think Definitely. this is a coin toss. I think Ferguson is is starting to decline, and that this is more of a coin toss fight, and he's looking for something uh, a winnable fight. So winnable, yes, but a. A walkthrough? No, I might take Oliveira in the upset. I don't know. I don't know what the line is. I don't know what the odds are, but uh, probably pretty good to take Oliveira for the for the upset. I might take the dog in this one. Wow! All right. I, I would I, assume I wanna... Ferguson's the. I would assume Ferguson's probably the the betting favorite in this one, because um, he's just slightly less shop worn than Oliveira is. So again, I, I think again this is a pick. After the Gaethje fight, you want a guy who you don't have to worry about him busting you up. You know that your your game is strong enough to where you you haven't been you've only been submitted once in your career, and that was a decade ago. I think, like you said, Jared, this was he picked what he thought was a, a shop worn kind of feather fisted kind of fighter that he knows I I can kind of beat him and kind of get get my game back on track. I can kind of get the cobwebs out of my head from from the Gaethje loss and kind of focus on most likely a rematch with Gaethje if, if Khabib does decide to retire. I actually just wa- rewatched the, the Ferguson Gaethje fight uh, about two or three days ago. Um, again, liked, liked Tony Ferguson and to see a guy take that kind of beating and to get hit as many times and as hard as he did, um, ugh, you know, it, 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 I mean, it made me feel bad same. for it made me feel bad for Ferguson and, and you can't help but wonder if, you know, that, that if you come back for something like that, but look what Brian Ortega did. So I want to say Tony Ferguson, I want to say Tony Ferguson wins this. I, I, I think, 
I don't think there's any way this fight goes the distance. I think between the two of these guys, I think there's got to be a submission or a knockout somewhere in the third round. I'm going to take Ferguson by TKO third round. Oliveira plus one thirty-five, and that's really by decision. I think I like it. Really, I Again, just feel this like could go either way. <clears throat> I feel like somebody will 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 submit somebody before five rounds is up. But we don't. But we don't know what we're getting from Ferguson. That's what we have to admit here. Is well, that... neither does Vegas clearly. <laughs> True. <laughs> right? True. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Prior to the Gagey fight, he'd have been he'd have been a, a huge favorite. Now that's shocking, yeah, boy. Not, wow. I'm not sure it's there anymore. And like you said about Gagey, when somebody walks through you like that, you're never the same. Period. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. uh, so will yeah, will he Ortega bounce back? I've seen a lot more guys stay on the decline. And even though he took a worn fighter here, uh, he may be the same thing. We may find out we've got two. They are one in the same when they end up in the uh, in the cage together. Yeah, and not for nothing for the upset. Ortega had a lot more time off to maybe Younger get himself too, right? right. Yeah, sure. They're... Two years. Yeah, uh, less I mean, experience in the fight game too. To be fair, Ferguson goes way back in the fight game. This guy's taken a lot of shots. The uh, the mileage on Ferguson's a lot higher than Ortega. Mm. All right, another big fight. It's actually going to be uh, the UFC's last fight of the year. Jose Aldo, the Brazilian legend, twenty-eight and seven, versus Marlon Chito Vera, who is sixteen six and one. UFC Fight Night, December nineteenth. I like that as the final event of the year because. I do love me some Jose Aldo. Uh, yeah, Jose Aldo's a, a legend. I love the guy, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu master. I just feel like, uh, like again, this is one of those fights that was kind of picked to be, uh, uh, let's keep his, his game back on track. Uh, when you consider he's lost six of his last nine, uh, and again, against some, some uh, tough opponents, he's been in there with just about everybody in his division, uh, he's fighting a guy who's 16 and six with six knockouts. Again, this is just like I was saying about Ferguson with Oliveira. You want to pick a guy where you're, he's going to have to play into your strengths with only six knockouts. You don't have to worry about him throwing some wild overhand, right. And, and, and putting you out. This is a guy who's probably going to try to, to take you down and that's your bread and butter. So again, for, for Aldo, this is a make or break fight. You lose this then you've lost six of your last 10. Where's your career really going at that point? Uh, I think for him, this is a must win. And I think they picked the right opponent for that. What do you think, Jared? I totally agree. I totally agree. If you don't win this fight, Aldo, wrap it up. Please, it's over. For yourself, for the rest of us. Yes, it's over. Thank you. Wrap it up. Um, that said, uh, I, I, I also agree the similarities between this and the last fight we discussed are prominent. Um, but I'd take Aldo in this fight. I think they got a, a better opponent. It's a less winnable fight for Vera than uh, for Oliveira. Um, I think this is the bounce back fight. It's the guy that they want. And, uh, and they'll, they'll get what they're looking for out of Aldo here. This is 100%. It's 100% more of a sure thing than than the the pick of Ferguson and Oliveira. I, I think Aldo's team definitely knew what they were doing on this one. You got a guy who pretty much is going to have to fight your game 
and you're, you're a legend on his way out. I mean, that's a, a perfect way to keep it going for probably another year or two, I think. And at seven, beating 15, you're you're talking about another shot if you win another fight. Exactly. So this was brilliant on on his part to pick uh, to pick Vera. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to try uh, to get in with a guy every time that you think is a winnable fight. I mean, I talked about a guy named uh, Joe Sugar Ray that I sparred with years and years ago, and he's now had his whole career and he's maybe seven and 30 or like three and 28 or something like that. And half the guys he fought were undefeated, you know, uh, barely winnable fights for him. And um, I think they've done a good job here. Uh, Aldo's handlers. This is, this is a good pick. If he can crawl back into it, this is the type of fight it's going to start with. Exactly. It's almost reminiscent of, I don't know if you remember, Jared, in the late uh, 90s, early 2000s, Arturo Gatti in boxing went on a three-fight losing streak. And what his team did was his fans were calling for him to retire. His his team actually got him about three or four kind of mid-level guys for him to kind of feast on just to kind of get his confidence back up, get him back in that winning mindset. And then uh, obviously he went on to fight Ward and Mayweather and all them. I believe Aldo's team is looking to do the same thing here. Give him probably give him a couple of guys that are pretty much sure bets that you can beat him and kind of get his mind. You know, the mindset of a fighter, you know, you can get kind of shaky from, from a few losses in a row. It starts to be like a yeah. superstitious thing almost where it's in your head more than it should be. Well, like and, a uh, I think that's what this is. Like a quarterback exactly. in here, throwing interceptions, and you want to get him some bunnies, have him throw a few screens, maybe hit a maybe hit a tight end or a running back in the flat, and see if we can, you know, let's get him a layup. Throw a double screen out there and get the kid a layup. And, uh, yeah, some, uh, some handlers do a much better job at that than others, and I think Aldo's have done it right here. All right, love me, love me some Jose Aldo. That's my guy. That's who I'm taking in this one. Um, and I think he'll, I think he'll take him out. I think he'll, he'll knock him out by third round. Beat him into the mat. I like it. All right, IBF middleweight champion Triple G, forty-one and one meets mandatory challenger. I know people hate this. Camille Zermeta. 21 and 0, December 18th at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Florida. Tony, this is not the fight anybody wants for Triple G. He's probably going to, I would assume, destroy this fella. This is not the fight that people want to see for Triple G in the same way that uh, Caleb Smith is not the same the type of fight we want to see for Canelo Alvarez. I think this is what we were saying about Figueredo. That's what we love about uh, combat sports. This is what we don't love about it is that we have to continually put off these huge fights and kind of have these mid-level guys or guys from the other far reaches of the world fighting the greats for what reason? Like we said before, the whole reason for the zone deal was to get Alvarez and Triple G back in the ring together. If that's not going to happen, I mean, this is kind of... I think it says more about uh, Alvarez at this point that this is the path he's choosing to go to. I mean, Golovkin's 38 years old. How much longer is he going to be doing this? He's going to be fighting a guy who has virtually no shot. He's 21 and 0. That looks great on on his resume, but he's 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 got wins over nobodies. None of them are knockouts. I mean, really, what what are we watching here? This is kind of the exact opposite reason why even Triple G was signed to the zone 
for these kind of fights. This, this was supposed to be for him to get some more great victories in uh, at the tail end of his career before he calls it a day. This should be Canelo Alvarez. This should be the Charlo brothers. This should be, he you should know, be going deep. Exactly. This is this is the end. Your triple G. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need any layups, dude. Yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah, he's one of the most devastating punchers in the history of the middleweight division. Fighting a guy, I mean, this is this is a joke. This is ridiculous. And uh, again, I love Triple G. He's one of been one of my favorites uh, since I first found out about him a long time ago. Love all of his fights. The guy's got an iron chin. He's got a devastating Arguably punch. Beat Canelo both times. Arguably beat Canelo both times. I actually had uh, one of the fights. I actually had a, a, an even draw. The other one, I thought Golovkin won. Again, they could have gone either way. For Alvarez to do what he's doing right now and just keep cherry picking British super middleweights. I mean, come on. I, I get what you're doing. This is the Mayweather formula where you you fought your way to the top and now you're gonna you're just gonna put it on cruise control for the remainder yeah. of your career. Hey, he's undefeated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, look, the guys, you know. 21 and 0. Like, come on. This isn't what we want to see. The, the fans, and this is again, this is the reason why UFC is starting to overtake boxing is the fact that Dana White doesn't put up with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That doesn't fly with him. You're not going to fight someone no one's ever heard of. Andrade's right. moving into Shevchenko's division, and he's already saying that's who she's going to fight next. Like, that doesn't happen in other sports. You know, yeah. that's again. They really need to look at this and say, if for the fans to order a subscription to DAZN or to Showtime or any of these networks, you, you, I, who wants to see this? Can who I know wants the to see? Guy at least? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Show me a couple of his fights first. Why am I paying to watch this? This is a joke against that Triple being G. Said, if World Peace was knighted, what would you call him? No Sormetta. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Sermetta, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every, everything I've been reading about this fight, uh, all I'm seeing is that no one's excited for it. No one wants to see it. Uh, and uh, Triple G probably will, will win this one easily. It's a shame. You know, again, Tony, you mentioned the guy's age. I mean, what, what are you waiting for, Alvarez? What are you waiting for? Let's do it again. Again, well, Alvarez, again. Is, Alvarez is 30 years old. What do you, what are you waiting? You want to fight Triple G again when he's 40 and then beat him and say, look, I told you he's the best. Again, that's straight out of Mayweather's book. That's not what I was expecting from Alvarez, uh, at, certainly at the start of his career. Following his career, I, I thought his rise to the top has been spectacular. I thought he was amazing. I just, for him to kind of just take this layoff now where he's just kind of doing like this European world tour where I'm just going to fight Rocky Fielding and Caleb Smith. Why? Who wants that? Well, I've I, just I've just been telling everybody I know what an amazing fighter you are, and now you're fighting some some mm. British pub brawler. Like, give me a break. Well, Seriously, a this is this is ridiculous. For Sir Meta. I mean, to be fair, you get knocked out in the first 30 seconds, you get a paycheck, you go home. It's what everybody thought was gonna happen. It goes to decision. Oh my god, this guy must be great. Exactly, he must be. Win. It's just a win-win-win for Sermetta. So, I mean, is it a dangerous fight from for Triple G? Only from that perspective. I like Triple G by knockout, early rounds. Teach this kid how to lose. Love it. Yeah, I'm thinking second or third round probably. Yeah, he'll take him up pretty quick. 
All right. Uh, and then uh, a date has been finalized uh, for the rescheduled vacant WBC title bout between Ryan Garcia, 20 and 0, with 17 knockouts. Uh, he takes on Luke Campbell, who's 20 and 3, with 16 knockouts. Uh, this thing was, was postponed due to COVID. Exciting fight. A couple of great young fighters. Everyone's pretty jazzed about Ryan Garcia, another one of these young, up-and-coming, undefeated guys. Tony, how good is Ryan Garcia? Ryan Garcia is very good, but this, for him right now, is the uh, put-up-or-shut-up fight. Uh, all of these, uh, this young generation of lightweights, uh, Devin Haney, uh, Shakur Stevenson, Tank Davis, Teofimo Lopez, they're all big talkers. Again, they're, they're doing the, uh, the wrestling heel Mayweather kind of thing where they, they have to be kind of brash and bold. They can't just be the humble champions anymore. They're all talking a big game. None of them have come out and congratulated Teofimo Lopez for his amazing victory over Lomachenko. They're all saying he's not the champion yet until he's fought them as though they have anybody on their ledgers <laughs> of the same caliber as a Lomachenko. Uh, I like Ryan Garcia. I, I like his speed and his strength. Again, Luke Campbell's no pushover. He's a 2012 Olympic gold medalist. Uh, the only people he's lost to as a professional are Lomachenko and, and uh, Linares, mm. two fantastic fighters. Uh, I mean, this is about, if you look at their records, uh, they're 20 and tw Garcia's 20 wins with 17 knockouts and, and, uh, Campbell's 20 wins with 16 knockouts. Their win to knockout ratio is about the same. Luke Campbell's a slick, fast Southpaw. This will be about as hard a test for Ryan Garcia as could possibly be. Uh, I give him kudos for taking this fight. It's not exactly the same caliber as, as Lopez beating or fighting Lomachenko, but this is definitely a bold move for him. Certainly more than, uh, than, uh, Devin Haney fighting, against your Yorkus Gamboa, this is definitely a big step up for Garcia. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. This a uh, big step up for him. And anybody, my prediction, anybody who is not on the Ryan Garcia train, not a huge fan of Tank Davis, Devin Haney I'm kind of on the fence, fence with. Um, Lopez looks strong, man. But this Garcia kid, of all those names there, this Ryan Garcia kid, he's the kid I'm most excited about. I think he will uh, beat Luke Campbell by knockout. I think it's going to be an impressive victory that gets everybody who wasn't on the Ryan Garcia hype train before the fight will be on it afterward. Put it to like this. Out I'm already impressed that he took this kind of fight. So Exactly. Uh, uh, Tall, rangy southpaw. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> gold medalist. He, the only people wow. he's lost to Lomachenko and Linares. This is again for for Lopez to make the big statement he did against Lomachenko, and then for Davis and Haney to have the the kind of mediocre fights that they just had. For Garcia to take this fight, that's a big statement. He's the one right now who's saying of all these guys saying that Lopez isn't the greatest just because of one fight. You're the one guy who's going to try to prove. You know what? Maybe I am, and I'm going to do it by fighting a similar type fighter. A, a, a rangy southpaw, lightweight champion. You know what I mean. This is this is about as this is about as ballsy. This is about as ballsy a move as what Lopez did. And so I give Ryan Garcia a lot of kudos for this. This is this is exactly what we want from these young prospects. Good way to ring in the new year. Love it. Saturday, January second. Looking forward to that one. All right. Now, uh, in a couple of minutes, we're going to preview 
the exhibition heavyweight fight tonight between Mike Tyson, 50 and six, and Roy Jones Jr., 66 and nine. But before they do, and for the sake of this, who you got, I don't care about the fight tonight. It's completely irrelevant to this conversation. Obviously, these guys were, their careers crossed over, okay? Um, and, and, and roughly ended around the same time for all intents and purposes. Um, again, they're both still active. You could argue. And I know Jones came out uh, a few years back, but we're talking prime years. Tony, I know, uh, I mean, you're, you're a boxing historian, so I, I suppose you're going to probably lay something on us here. <laughs> Is, should, am I, am I right to assume this? Yeah, I mean, uh, this this fight would have been uh, this fight would have been excellent in about two thousand and three, and I believe that's when they first uh, negotiated with each other. But it ended up falling through. It was right around the time Roy Jones won the heavyweight title, becoming the first middleweight to win a heavyweight title in one hundred and six years. Yep, when he beat John Ruiz, uh, that would have been exciting then. Even though uh, Mike Tyson was already well past his best, and that was in two thousand and three. Uh, Mike retired in 2005, and now in 2020 is coming back at 54 years old. Uh, again, Mike Tyson, I think, is probably going to go down as the most famous fighter, one of the most famous fighters in boxing history. Uh, he had his own video game from 87 to 90. I mean, he was boxing. Uh, he was the unified heavyweight champion. He beat uh, Trevor Burbick, Larry Holmes, Pinklin Thomas, uh, James Quick Tillis, James Bonecrusher Smith, uh, Michael Spinks. I'd say from about 86 to 90, probably the most dominant fighter in the entire world. Uh, devastating knockout puncher. He's got like 21 first-round knockouts. Uh, again, at his best, I want to say from 87 to 90, uh, unbeatable until he had that loss to Buster Douglas. And then he had two wins over Razor Ruddick and then went to jail and then came back. And then his career was kind of spotty from there, but I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with 87 to 90 is when we want to say he was the best from about 19 years old to about 23. Uh, devastating puncher, amazing reflexes, did the peekaboo style that he learned from uh, custom auto legendary trainer, uh, I think the, the Mike Tyson that we saw losing to, uh, to Evander Holyfield and Lennox Lewis. And then obviously everyone after that was not the same guy, uh, he had already lost, you know, his drive and, and everything from his years kind of being under the aegis of, uh, of Don King, letting him kind of just be a spoiled child buying tigers and mansions and, and such. Um, but from 87 and 90, the guy was just a devastating force, a true wrecking ball. Well, you contrast that to Roy Jones Jr. Roy Jones from about 1993 to 2004 when he lost to Antonio Tarver. He went 28 and one in that period of time from 93 to 2004. From the time he won the IBF middleweight title against Bernard Hopkins, uh, he just went on to beat some some all time greats, including uh, Mike the Body Snatcher McCallum. Uh, he beat Thomas Tate, Vinny Pazienza. Uh, James lights out Tony Virgil Hill with a body shot. I don't know, Jared, if you ever seen that fight, he caught oh. Virgil Hill with a body shot and, and, and put him out it was a shot. He actually broke several of Virgil Hill's ribs. 
Saw that last um, night, Tom. Literally watching you? some highlights. One Saw of the that last knockouts night. Knockouts ever. Virgil Hill's oh. on his way, moving, moving out of the corner, and Jones just tapped him, broke his ribs. I mean, I've oh, always said this. Shot. I personally feel like Roy Jones is the greatest fighter I ever saw live. What I mean by that is I've seen, obviously, tons of footage of Marciano, Dempsey, Ray Robinson, Henry Armstrong, Willie Pep. They were the really fighting when you watched it. Exactly. I mean, like, on a Saturday night, sitting down, putting on HBO, watching a fight, he's the greatest fighter, I feel, of my era. I mean... The hand speed, the reflexes. He wouldn't even come in with a jab. He would just fly in with a hook or an uppercut. No one does that. You lead with a with a straight right. Dominated guys. He's the only fighter to ever come up from junior middleweight to heavyweight. Um, just a devastating fighter. When when he, I always said this. When he went up to fight John Ruiz and won the WBA title. When he came back down, he won a, a majority decision over Antonio Tarver. If he would have retired that night, he would honestly have had an argument as saying, I'm the greatest fighter that's ever lived. Nobody, nobody else could lay claim to the to the amazing things that Roy Jones Jr. laid claim to in his day. Joe, I remember when you saw the Vinny Pazienza fight. You ever seen a guy dominated that? that uh, I mean, he just blew him out of there. You remember out of the water. Yeah. Uppercuts, left hooks. It wasn't even. It was like they were playing two different sports. It was ridiculous. Uh, I, I feel honestly, Roy Jones Jr. at his best in his prime. He had a longer prime. He had more tricks in his arsenal. Um, again, whether he had a glass jaw before or got it after the Tarver fight, he was so good from '93 to 2004. We didn't even know because no one could even touch him. He was that amazing. He didn't even lose a round back then. When he when he fought in the Olympics, he didn't even lose a round the entire Olympic run. And when he lost the gold medal to a Korean fighter, the referee actually said to him, I can't believe they're doing this to you because yeah. he was fighting a Korean fighter in Korea. One of the worst robberies in the history of boxing. In the history of boxing. I got to say, comparing the two, I feel like as dynamic and strong and the reflexes that Tyson had, Knowing how sort of emotionally fragile he was without Customato hypnotizing him and, and, and telling him what he's worth, that he's a, a monster and building him up, knowing how fragile Tyson was and knowing that the majority of his wins back then were, were just from devastating knockouts, I would have to say Roy Jones Jr. in his prime, not only the better of the two, I feel, but but Roy Jones Jr. in his prime would easily go against any great fighter of all time that you can pick and you can actually pick fighters from most different divisions because he fought in so many of them and dominated them. I don't know anyone else that beat the, the caliber of fighters that he did in his time. Just an amazing, amazing fighter. Um, yeah, I, I can't agree. Um, a, a lot of that I'll take the longer prime, you know, it's like nine, 10, 11 years versus four. I'm I'm on board with that a hundred percent. But when I hear in their prime, um, I'm 27 years old. It's it's August, and I'm snowboarding for the first time and separate my shoulder. And I've always gone back to the day before that at the gym, as perhaps the great as my peak physical condition. 
when you say prime, I want that single moment when they step into the ring, the best guy we ever got, best version of Mike Tyson in, in a moment, in a night, in a round, in a fight, and the best version of Roy Jones Jr. And I think if we get that, we have cuss. Um, and we, and and I like Mike. I I mean, this is so hard because Roy, you talk about his chin could have been glass. We didn't know. There was no way to find out for about a decade. We couldn't find <laughs> out. So if Tyson hits him, Tyson's the type of dude he touches you. It's a problem. And Roy's the type of dude you can't touch. It's a problem to get to get at him. So. This this is one of the harder in every boxer in the history of the game. You pose them one on one, and I think I've got an edge right away. This one took a lot of thought, and I came up with Tyson uh, because it was so devastating, because it was so dominant, because it was so exciting. <clears throat> it was just a little bit different than Roy. When I think of their primes, I think this of Tyson. <laughs> Oh. And I think this of Jones. Oh. I do because I uh, because no, look, you can no matter what you want to say about Mike Tyson, that happened in his prime. And one could argue the Holyfield fights were still in his prime years mm. as well. So nobody touched Roy in his prime. Matter of fact, it, we we could argue too, Tony uh, and Jared, that, that 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 Roy wasn't really much of a defenseman as much as he would just make you miss. He would wait, he would wait to come on, go ahead. You want to stick his face out. And as soon as you went to, he'd pop you in your face. Nobody was better than Roy Jones Jr. Not Mike Tyson, not anybody. And I'll tell you why. Being being the most feared and the most famous isn't better. And I think mm. Tony will tell you, and we talked about this, any legit boxer, and Roy Jones certainly was one, gave Mike all the too much trouble. He couldn't handle those guys. All he couldn't handle jazz. those guys. I have a really hard time thinking, like you said, if you pitted these two up one-on-one, -on -one, dead in the middle of their prime, that Roy Roy wouldn't have been able to find a way to not get knocked out and at the same time put a beating with those hands all over Tyson. But mm. I could be wrong. I will. I will. This is what I'll do because I respect you both very much. I'm going to defer to the only other expert I've heard on the topic, Bernard Hopkins, who said, Roy Jones Jr. was the best fighter of my generation, period. Good enough for Bernie. Good enough for me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Joe, real quick. I, I feel like you said that the knockout to Douglas wasn't his prime. I feel like uh, the wins that he had over people like uh, like Larry Holmes. I mean, I, I feel like Larry Holmes in his prime would have definitely given – uh, Mike Tyson fits. I feel like Lennox Lewis probably in his prime would have also beaten a prime Mike Tyson. I just, even Holyfield, I, I, what, Tyson's whole thing was having you defeated before you go into the ring. Mm. And unfortunately, when you come up against a guy like, like, uh, yeah, but even going further back, uh, uh, Marciano, Sonny Liston, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, those guys are not going into the ring with the prime Mike Tyson afraid. They're going in thinking, I'm gonna back this little guy down and I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt him. You know what I mean? Whereas with Roy Jones, I could see him comfortably competing with Sugar Ray Robinson, Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, 
virtually anybody from the history of the sport. Wow. A prime Roy Jones was, I mean, that was obscene what he was doing back then. Okay. All right. That's the best point so far. That's the best point made so far. <laughs> is, that, is that if I'm going back through and I'm like, here's a list of people that Mike Tyson has a lot of trouble with. You said Larry Holmes, Lennox Lewis is great. I'm thinking any uh, big heavyweight with a good, strong jab. With a good jab. Yeah. Now, now, now let's make the list of people Roy Jones would have consistent trouble with because of their styles. There's big punchers like, um, uh, well, and faster guys like, uh, uh, okay, no, nobody. There's not really a good argument. <laughs> That I want to say, damn, Sugar Ray yeah, Robinson would have come in there and given Roy Jones everything because Roy was better at, at – I. that's that's a good argument. But, ah, man, man, uh, uh, in a moment, Mike Tyson, man, there was a time you thought he would kill anybody. Maybe it's the little kid in me. You know, I was a little <laughs> older when I saw Roy. But uh, You know what? It's seriously, Jared being the same age as you, roughly, I think I'm a year to, to older than you, uh, when I was a kid. I had thought Mike Tyson was the greatest fighter of all time. And my video game definitely confirmed that for me. <laughs> and I mean, literally, uh, literally up until the Buster Douglas fight, I thought nobody will ever beat this monster. Cause I didn't understand. He wasn't a good fighter that he was a bully and, and he dominated people. And like Tony said, you were, you lost before you got into that ring. I think if you're Buster Douglas and you're high on whatever he was on or whatever, um, you know, I'm just joking. What, you know what Buster I'm saying? Douglas, like, his mother had just died and he promised her on her deathbed he was going to beat Mike Tyson. Yeah. That's what it was. This guy yeah. went, that's what I, I mean. mean to pure heart. <laughs> went into this fight really not in a good mental state, but his his focus wasn't on uh, to Mike Tyson. It was on his mom. Hmm. And he went in there with nothing to lose and a big promise he made to her on her deathbed. You better go out and that, and that look to me, that's more problematic for Mike Tyson. Uh, I, again, oh, yeah. to, to, I, I mean, watching that fight and I've watched that fight 20 times over the years. I mean, we knew it. We knew when it was happening, you, you could, you could tell right away in that fight, something wasn't right. And, you know, like Dante Wilder, that loss, mm. <sighs> You know, even if you look at his record, you're like 50 and six, that's still pretty great, right? That's still pretty great. The, 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 uh, him, him not getting up off the stool in his last fight, not the way you wanted to see Mike Tyson go out, but no. still, still a great career. Never the same after Buster Douglas. True. I think it yeah. laid the, the, not only did it do something to him mentally, it laid the blueprint down for every fighter to come afterwards. Yeah. That he's, he's the kind of guy you go right at him and he's just like, that's not what I was expecting, <laughs> you know, yeah. you watch earlier in his career against people like uh, Frank Bruno from England. Mm. Frank Bruno was sweating profusely on his way to the ring. He looked terrified. Larry Holmes admitted, I only fight Tyson. I only fought Tyson for the paycheck because I knew that I was going to lose. Guys went in there knowing mentally this is a foregone conclusion. You know what I mean? And as soon as a guy would step in with Roy that had the exact opposite view of I'm just going to go in there kick his ass those guys tyson right from the from jump street had no idea how to handle that perhaps if if customato had been alive and stayed in his corner and been able to talk him through that maybe but give him uh, an earful give him an earful you oh, know like a good I father work, would i had to work earful into this conversation after after tyson <laughs> spanks in 88 i thought 
honestly, Mike Tyson was the greatest fighter ever. Again, as as a as a, a twelve year old, to the untrained eye, he was who didn't understand what boxing is and how boxers lose well, and and I, and how important these matchups are. Don't sell short now. His head movement and his ability to cut off the ring are are, I mean, second to none. Who cut off the ring like Tyson? He did have he didn't have some of those boxing techniques, a la Roy Jones, that were that far into the stratosphere but he was very very good at certain aspects of the game and able to get himself into positions against guys like that could he cut off the ring with roy it's going to come down to his feet his hand speed is might be the best ever the guys like lightning but his feet can he stay away can he keep tyson from cutting off the ring how big of gloves are we using what weight class are we fighting at how big is the ring a 16 foot ring you know, Hagler and Leonard argued for days about how many feet the ring was going to be between 16 and 22. Leonard wanted a real big ring. Hagler wanted a real small one. These guys fight on a football field. Roy has his way. In a telephone booth, Roy doesn't make it out. So there's there's a lot of other there's a lot of variables. And uh, as far as as far as his uh, his boxing skill, he struggled with good feet and a jab, and. Uh, Roy, aside from his chin later in his career, really didn't have a hole like that in his game in his prime. Absolutely. All right, gentlemen, these these two square off tonight, eight-round exhibition. They are pointing. They are going to keep points now, and knockouts are now allowed, which apparently going into this fight, they weren't. Um, when did they which, change that? Yeah, yesterday. They've been yes. changing it. They've been changing it all oh, week, oh, oh, oh. going back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Well, my thought is, if you're having an exhibition, I mean, if you're Tyson and Jones, it, it isn't it almost impossible not to knock somebody out? <laughs> well, the issue here was the uh, the athletic commission. Uh, the reason why they made it two minute rounds, and the reason why uh, if it's a bad cut, they'll stop it. And they were saying no knockouts was that they didn't want either of these guys to get hurt, seeing that they're 54 and 52 years old. Uh, they've been flip-flopping all week long because the 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 broadcast company that's actually showing this is they're the ones that are saying there's going to be knockouts and a decision and the WBC is going to hand out a belt and there's going to be judges. And I don't know why they're on so two completely different uh, points of view on how this fight is. I think that's got to be kind of troublesome to Mike and Roy to have to go into this not really sure what exactly the rules are. I'm sure someone will tell them in the dressing room right before the fight. But this is kind of... It's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of unnecessary. And I'd also like to point out, too, that this is exactly what I don't like about boxing right now. These kind of hybrid weird fights where uh, Jake Paul is like the co-headliner when you have Badu Jack, who's the who's the Badu Jack is the former light heavyweight champion, uh, a, a really good fighter in his own right. He fought Adonis Stevenson, George Groves, uh, Nathan Cleverly, Lucian Boutte. And he's he's fighting before Jake Paul and Nate Robinson come out. I'm really this is not what the fans want to see. People want to see Triple G and Canelo again, not a YouTuber before two 60 year old guys coming out, one of whom hasn't fought since 2005. Do it, do it for us. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, again, I, I, I kind of my flurry, Tony. But uh, yeah, I, I'm on board. It's 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 it, it makes me sick to my stomach. 
Yeah, I got uh, I got Mike Tyson winning this just because Roy Jones the the last few years of his career and his lightning reflexes far faded. Um, and again, when you never had to learn the basics of boxing as Roy did, which I'll say is probably his, his biggest flaw. He never had to learn the basics like a Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins was never a devastating puncher or a fast fighter or great movement. He had to learn the basics to kind of grind out victories. Whereas Roy was kind of like Michael Jordan. He didn't even dribble the ball. He would just kind of take it from, you know, <laughs> half court and just dunk it on people. He didn't, he didn't need to learn that. He didn't need to know the basics and the small little minutiae. So, so a guy like a, a Bernard Hopkins was able to fight into his fifties. Roy didn't have that. So when he realized that he couldn't out punch or out, out speed a guy, he would just kind of back against the ropes and, and get knocked out. And that's exactly that what I about. see happening here. I've said that about uh, Chad Dawson before, a friend of mine. Um, he he's same idea though. He had this overwhelming athletic ability that he just won all his fights with and didn't need to do those other things. And then when the speed diminished, and he started having to do those other things, he wasn't able to adjust because of you know brain brain plasticity and and age, and he just wasn't picking it up like he was when he was younger. Or for whatever the reason. And that being said, your uh, your power is going to leave you a lot later than your speed. And so I'll take Tyson here. You know, in the no knockout thing, I saw an interview yesterday. Must have been right before they changed it. But uh, they asked Mike <laughs> for a prediction. And he was like, uh, what kind of shape is Roy going to be in? Mike says, uh, sooner as I touch him, he's he just going to go away. Just fold. And they say, and then he said, <laughs> so what round do you think? And he's like, the, I don't want to get in any trouble here saying the wrong thing because that uh, the promoters and stuff. Like he, he, he's <laughs> absolutely going to try to knock this guy out and not allowed to say that because we've got rules in place at the time that tell me I'm not supposed to knock anybody out when I'm playing a game where the objective is to remove the other person's consciousness. That's 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 the game plan from the jump. How do you even enforce that? Like Dana White said, how do you enforce that? Right. Silly. And and I, I mean, the whole thing is kind of silly. Uh, you know, again, Tony, you said the, 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 the commission was trying to figure out ways where these guys don't get hurt. It's a it's a boxing match. I mean, that's the essence of what they're doing is hurting each other. I understand. Yeah. I understand what you mean, severely injure each other. But again, it's like. If these two guys are concerned about about serious damage, then maybe you shouldn't even. I, I wish this fight wasn't happening. I'll be quite honest. So I, I wish this comfortable wasn't. With it are we not. all on the same page with that? I hate that this is happening. No, I, yeah, I, I hated it from the start. I want I want there to be a spot for this that isn't boxing and doesn't fool the general public. Scrub scraps, you know something. Yeah. Where can do this and let's make it as safe as we possibly can and 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 let it happen so do i wish it wasn't happening no not really wildly entertaining i'm gonna watch but uh i wish we weren't calling it boxing and trying to fool the i mean where's the wba are we gonna get these guys ranked whoever wins are we gonna get one of them ranked or are we gonna be honest about what we're looking at because my guess is we get one of them ranked and we get their ass kicked real good before they go back into retirement. My last thought here is if boxing was in better shape, would this fight even be happening? No. It would be where it belongs as a sideshow. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think if boxing had, had followed what Dana White is doing right now and actually making these guys have to fight each other instead of cherry picking and, and going three years without having fought anybody of note, I mean, you wouldn't be having this. There wouldn't be a, a desire to see two fighters from the early 2000s go at it in their in their old age. I'm actually like terrified for Roy Jones because I, I really another sickening knockout of him is not how I want to remember him. Him in, the, in the him in the late nineties. That's what I that's what I want to remember him as the greatest fighter I've ever seen on a live broadcast. Not him on the ground. I mean, you could you could give Mike Tyson twelve ounce gloves, which is what they're fighting with. But you could put you could tape two pillows to Mike Tyson's hands, and he'll still knock out most people. So no, I I don't want to see this between them both being severely past their prime and Jake Paul being on the undercard against Nate Robinson. This is this is. Far and away, like a, a perfect encapsulation of, of what's wrong right now with boxing as compared to, to UFC. Very well said. Well, and the most frustrating part of all of those interviews is uh, when they ask the guys about the shape they're in and fighters from back in the day, and they were both like scientific advancements and evolution. And, and it's possible now, even at my age, with these, with these new advancements to shut shut up. You're fighting another 50 something year old guy and you want to act like Joe Lewis and, and Rocky Marciano, like you're that guy coming, getting back into the game. You're, 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 you're <laughs> like, come on evolution and science. Yes. Yes. You're right. Science and, and, and evolution and, and the, 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 the stuff's not what it used to be, you know, but, but neither is boxing guys. Because there wasn't room for you 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. There wasn't room for this. And there is now because boxing is not what it used to be. I wish they actually were fighting this in a phone booth. Like a phone booth <laughs> big enough for two guys. You know what I mean? Just phone big enough for, for two. two guys. Yeah. Um, now, this is unfortunate. Curtis Blades, number three ranked uh, against number five uh, ranked Derek Lewis, the, the, the Black Beast. This was going to be a great fight. Tony did a ton of prep for this fight. And now it's canceled, uh, which is a total bummer. Thank you for all the work. Hopefully, Tone, they uh, they uh, reschedule that fight at some point so you could tell us all about Blades and I Lewis. feel like I should have been invited to Thanksgiving dinner. I know these guys so well now. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, it's Anthony Smith and Devin Clark. Fascinating thing about Anthony Smith. This will be his seventh headlining event. It breaks the record for most headliners. Uh, which he shared with uh, the Korean zombie uh, for most by a guy who's never won a title. So Anthony Smith's kind of been hanging around for a while, Tony. We were talking about him, um, you know, a, a guy who has fought some of the better fighters and lost and kind of continues to to beat the mid-range guys pretty well. Maybe not the sexiest of headlining events, unfortunately, because of COVID. Uh, a striker and a wrestler. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, typically with striker and wrestler, uh, I would say um, probably the striker would probably pull that one off. I would have to say just because a guy with, with the Greco Roman wrestling style. I mean, when you see the, you know, when the referee makes them get up that they're always hesitant to kind of throw hands. I'd say the fact that uh, Smith is 33 
wins with 18 knockouts and 12 submissions. I'd say he's just about strong striking and punching. Uh, Devin Clark, I mean, both of them are kind of like uh, like what you and I always say, Joe. They're like a Kel Brook. They're good enough to beat all the other guys that aren't the first or second guy in the division. Yep. You know, they've lost collectively. Porter. They've lost to uh, – they've lost. Ex- yeah, Sean Porter, exactly. Collectively, they've both lost to Glover Teixeira, John Jones, Tiago Santos, Jan Blachowicz, Alexander Rakic. They, they've – They've lost These to guys all have the lost guys that are everybody. One or two. <laughs> <laughs> They've lost every one or two guy, essentially. So the they're they're who kicked their ass. <laughs> exactly. So it's uh it's one of those kind of fights. It's between uh you know two guys that you know if they win, you know Devin Clark could possibly work his way up to another fight against Blachowicz and probably lose, or Smith could probably work his way up to another Glover to Shara fight. And probably lose. Probably yeah. Lose. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, like you said earlier, Joe, probably Dana White should have done a better job picking a, a you know, a, a co-main event, and just in case something like this does fall through, uh, I, it's unfortunate that Jake Paul and Nate Robinson were already tied to this. Event. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Smith does come into this one on a two-fight losing streak. Clark, meanwhile, is on a two-fight winning streak. Uh, so that is tonight. Great night for them. Maybe not for fight fans, but, uh, if you're in these Smith or Clark households, you got to be feeling uh, really good about things. <laughs> well, uh, that's covered most of what we have to hit. Jared, take it away with the flurry. Fans, supporters, and members of scrub scraps and boxing everywhere. We finally did it. There's room for us in boxing. We have a safe way to participate in boxing, a safe way to participate in one of the most entertaining forms of entertainment and a safe way to connect and belong through the sport of boxing. This is beautiful because why wouldn't a sport with so many benefits be made as safe and as available as we can possibly make it safe and available for our children? We finally did it, and we got it all. Enlarged helmets, bigger gloves, bigger ring, no knockouts, no declared winners, just a glorified sparring session to share the sport of boxing with each other and the rest of the world, and this is my dream. This is what I've been fighting a decade and a half for. This is the vision. And Scrub Scraps, it has finally come to fruition. But there's a glaring problem. This new space in boxing wasn't made for scrub scraps. It wasn't made for our children. It wasn't made for people struggling with addiction, traumatic events, or mental health disorders. It wasn't made to get anyone involved in boxing that wasn't already involved, and it wasn't built for the people that need it the most. The sport of boxing finally made all the sacrifices and did it for two celebrities over the age of 50 named Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Without a doubt, two of the most decorated boxers in the history of the sport, two grown men fully capable of making decisions on their own. These guys get the baby gloves, but not our babies. Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Could boxing be any more driven by greed? You took the life-saving work I've been trying to mainstream for so many years and gave it to the people that need it the least for money. Two men who were fine without it. Two men who made their way in this brutal sport to the top the way it is without any concession. A safe space has been made available for people to participate in the sport of boxing, possibly as the safe as the sport can be made, but our children aren't allowed to use it. 
For years, I've been trying to build a boxing program that I would feel comfortable with my son and daughter participating in when they inevitably fall in love with the same sport I fell in love with and my father fell in love with and his father before him fell in love with. Our children may fall in love with the sport of boxing and this new safer version of it will not be made available to them because it wasn't built for them, not for the outcasts, not for the sick and suffering and not for our children, but built specifically for Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. And I find that very disturbing. It's time for us to reclaim boxing from the greedy and corrupt powers that be, or perhaps for the boxing historians out there, claim the sport for the very first time. Thank you, guys. Wow. Jared, thank you for that. Uh, as Nailed it. Uh, I, I don't think I could have written anything. I, I, that's the, all the thoughts in my head about, about what's happening here. So, again, as usual, thank you for that. Uh, the great Jared Jones uh, always bringing down the house with a little cry uh, mm. at the end of throwing jabs. Tony <laughs> Aguirre, my brother, I really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, we my really pleasure. appreciate that. Jace Garcia will be back. Next week, we'll have a whole bunch of, of fights to uh, preview, including, um, oh, what's the one you've been asking me about? Drawing the blank, Tom. Yeah. That will, hit, Garcia. that will definitely be happening next Saturday. Uh, throwing Jabs is a CMG sports presentation, part of the CMG podcast network. For more, you can visit clovercrestmedia.com backslash throwing jabs. Make sure you follow throwing jabs on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Guys, great show. We missed it. We missed Big Jace, but uh, we'll catch him here next week. For my brother Tony, for Jared Jones, I'm Joe McGuire. Thanks so much for checking out Throwing Jack. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event.